Welcome to Descriptive, a podcast about JavaScript and other things. I'm your host, Khalil, and this is episode three. On the fly, you can sound like you're a robot. Today's guest is Jan Monschke. He is a freelance web developer from Berlin, a speaker, a CouchDB fanatic, and a web audio lover. Welcome to the show, Jan. Hey, nice to have me. It is nice to have you. Um, can you please tell me, how did you get started with programming and how did you end up with JavaScript? Oof. Um, well, I got into programming, I think I was 15. So that's like, that was 12 years ago now. And uh, I actually started with, with a software called RPG Maker, which is a tool that you can use to make like uh, retro RPG style, like a Secret of Mana, Final Fantasy, like Final Fantasy VI style games. Oh, can you can you just explain what RPG is? Oh yeah, RPG stands for um, role role playing game. So like uh, a mm -hmm. game that takes very long, has a lot of uh, text, and you have to read a lot, and you have like very uh, complicated um, battle systems, and uh, you can really dive into the game. And I started to do that. And they had like a, a code editor as well. So normally it's like a UI and you click the levels and then you can set triggers. And then you had, you had like a, an own scripting language. And um, that was my start. And then I became a staff member of uh, retrorpg.com, which is like a, or was a new site uh, related to games like Final Fantasy and we were still thinking about how, how good the old games were and how, how bad the new ones are. And how, and how, did that, you, how did you become a staff member? Um, that's a good question. Um, I think I was talking to the owner of the website in, in a forum because it was back in the day. It was 2004 or something. So we were all hanging out in forums uh, in the web 1.0. And uh, we we had like a common interest in red, uh, like in RPG games, and uh, I think then one thing led to another, and I became staff member. And he introduced me to fancy things like uh, PHP, HTML, and CSS. But uh, okay, so you became a staff member because somebody asked you to become a st like to write for them or to do to program oh, yeah, sure sure in, oh, okay. in the beginning it was only like um writing news articles um writing discussions reviews but you you always have to deal because he didn't really have like a like a um a content management system behind it so i kind of had to type into a database so explain me what a database was <laughs> and then okay. one thing like okay so this is the database but i was curious and wanted to know how's the connection so what what's the what's in between my browser and your database and then he showed me like his he gave me ftp access to his server and i had could look into his php files and i was like oh wow this is super interesting and in various night sessions over ICQ back in the days, uh, he explained me everything I needed to know about PHP, and he really got me started about that. Wow! Uh, Two thousand and four. Yeah. Cool. That was pretty pretty nice, and I used it actually right after. So I had a friend, and it was two thousand and four, I guess, and there was no MySpace in Germany, and we were really into the the local band scene. And uh, we wanted to have like a website with all the dates and all the music from the local bands. 
And we created something like MySpace where bands could upload WAV files and we would like uh, change them and make them available in, in, in the real player on our website. Yeah. Wow. That was my first real project, but like long, long time ago. How old were you there? Um, I guess, yeah, like 16, 17, around okay. like, yeah. Okay. So not too early, but not too late as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so how, yeah, so how did it, uh, what happened next? Mm. Well, I finished school and went to university and then I was, um, I had to learn Java I had to learn C++ and I actually liked it a lot because I was fed up with PHP, which mm -hmm. I really hated because uh, it all got so messy so quickly. There were no frameworks and Java put like this, this class pressure on you. Everything needs to be um, like well thought through. Otherwise you have a lot of problems and also it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I went into like the, like I was a hardcore Java developer in the first years of uni and we had a project with JavaScript for like creating widgets on mobile handsets with JavaScript. It's like Oprah widgets, HTML5 widgets. And I kind of wanted to program for mobile, but there was no Android or like there was Android, but it was really shit. And yeah, so I, I, I chose JS and from then on, I never went back to Java, never again. Okay, so it, so really in, uh, in university that happened already. Yeah, exactly. Like we had a project, like you have to do projects in university and then one JavaScript project was enough to convince me. Like wow. super fast. Uh, why? Uh, <laughs> sorry? Because be. back then I... I guess JavaScript was also really messy still. Oh, it was super messy. I mean, it still <laughs> is for Yeah, it's getting somewhere. Like, like there will be classes and everything. But yeah, yeah so so the switch from being Java developer from becoming a JavaScript developer is kind of very hard. Yeah, <laughs> because you think in classes, but that doesn't exist. And then you try to understand the prototype system, but you don't have a professor who's capable of explaining because <laughs> they don't know that they don't know anything yeah. yeah and i guess they still don't know mm -hmm. at least in my old university and there was there was that was quite hard and then i read a lot of the there were some really really good forums uh explaining everything like uh, for example i read many blog posts from uh, molly lee he's molly lee on twitter mm -hmm. and he wrote really good documentation on javascript prototype system Cool. And uh, it was really fun. Felt like kind of like hacking, but and what was so attractive? Was it attractive? Was JavaScript attractive because you could get results quickly, the visual results quickly, or was it something else? Um, for me, it was something else because um, I think it's the browser APIs that convinced me. So if you if you ever try to parse json or xml in java like you have to request it you have to set up set up like xml parser factories and it's like incredibly incredibly oh, i don't know like a lot of work just to parse a file mm -hmm. and then in javascript you could just like do oh xml http request uh, please give me the json perfect 
I just need this little field of the request of the response. I could do that like immediately. Mm -hmm. So there was nothing like I, I could do that in 10 minutes, whereas before it was like six hours, like trying to understand <laughs> how XML parsing works. And okay, yeah, I think it was that. Yeah. And the asynchronicity, asynchronous, how, how do you say it? Uh, the asynchronicity, is it, I think. Yeah, yeah, like the the fact that it's asynchronous was was very new and um, very very interesting as well. Yeah. Okay, um, so what what did you study? Um, media and computing, which is like a computer science degree with a major in media computing. So we had a lot of games, visual computing, visual programming, and um, um, how, how do shaders work and um, normally you would also have many courses on web development and we did have courses but that was more like this is HTML go do stuff hmm. so um, that was kind of sad but uh, hmm. you have a lot of time like because it, you have the, the web development course and you already know a lot about, a lot about HTML and uh, so you have a lot of time next to the course just to work on your own projects so that was cool cool so it was also very practical like a lot of just programming and doing projects yeah so i think in, in in germany you have two kinds of um universities you have like the normal universities and you have the universities of applied sciences mm -hmm. and the universities is all for research and it's all very dry and in the in, in the other ones you have many projects and you try to do stuff with the things that you learn and i i prefer that approach more and that's the universities i went to oh cool <clears throat> yeah i prefer that too um okay so your thesis though um and also your talk at gsconf eu was uh they both involved exploring the audio API and building something with it. So I know that you're really fond of it. Um, why do you personally like it so much? And why did you choose it then for, for those things? Um, I, in the beginning, when I was thinking about what to do, I, I really had no clue for my master's thesis. And I, I was thinking about what did I do in the last two years? And, and I thought about this, this talk from Stuart Memo at the JSConf EU 2012 uh, because it was a talk that really like literally blew my mind because he went on stage, got out his guitar, plugged it into his computer, opened his brother, and then he was just playing a song and distorting the signal all in JavaScript. <laughs> so when I remembered that, how, how like what impact this, like watching this talk had on me, I thought I, I really have to do something with that because I like, I really wanted to get into audio programming as well, because it's a field that is incredibly interesting to me because I used to be in a band and I finally had like a, a way to understand how audio works in my favorite language. So finally JavaScript opened like a world of audio programming and doing fancy demos. And that was, that was really, really the, like you, you can learn so much, so many new things and the language is not a barrier anymore because many, like often you do 
stuff in um, I think in Python it's it's very common to do uh, audio programming and I'm I never really did something in Python and some obviously you do many things in C++ and I was never a fan of this language so like open like the the API opened up uh, an entire new world of things to do in JavaScript very yeah. cool and uh so can you explain a little bit what the what the web audio, uh, audio API is essentially and and um what can you do with it um the web audio API is I I tend to say it's a fairly new API but I just mentioned I watched a talk in 2012 so it's not really new <laughs> yeah that's uh, true. but it's but, and it's available right now so it's an API that gives you access to everything um that is kind of a low level access to audio it gives you everything that the audio tag gives you for example you can um load audio files play them stop them like you have full control about playback but on top of that it gives you tons of new things like you can analyze the audio signal uh, do visualizations um you can create sound from scratch so the api gives you something called oscillators and um in physics like oscillators is uh, an oscillator is something that creates a wave and you have con and waves like audio waves so it gives you a way to create very bare sounds and if you combine many waves you can create very rich sounds and you have complete control of how the waves look like and how they uh, act together um for example you can also filter everything so if you've ever i don't know if you've heard a band playing like you never have the um, the normal guitar sound of very rarely it's always um always there are many effects attached to to guitars like distortion or like echo effects and everything and with the web audio api you can do that like you can load a file of some or like uh, you, you can speak to your browser and on the fly you can make it sound like you're a robot because you can filter out certain frequencies of uh, of the voice and uh, add some echo or you can make things sound like you're in a church and um, that is kind of like and it, it's a actually a very easy api so it's for an audio programmer i think it's very high level but if you're a javascript developer you dive into very low level things like um, frequencies and bits and bytes and you have to yeah you have to use all kind of hacks and it's it's super interesting yeah so yes, and if you're a, um, a game developer, the the API has something that is super super important. Two things: you can time things precisely. So, with um, in JavaScript, we have the problem that timing things is not really uh, exact. Uh, so, if you set timeout to something in a hundred milliseconds. And you're scrolling a lot, or you're resizing the the, the window. You the the callback might be called in 150 milliseconds. So if you uh, really need exact sounds, for example, in a song or in a game, um, you can do that now because the Web Audio API has its own time system. 
Hmm. And um, this time system makes sure everything is exact because it's executed in another thread. So hmm. the main UI thread is not blocking any of the timing in the in the audio uh, um, thread. So this is possible now. Cool. That's very. That's really powerful. And and is it? Um, how well is it supported in the different browsers? Um, Internet Explorer is currently developing it, like support for web audio. So I think the next version will already include it, maybe hidden behind some 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 vendor things. Uh, you can use it uh, in Chrome, in Firefox, um, and in many versions. Like it's not just like the super new versions, but it's already working in in many versions of Chrome and Firefox. Um, you can use it in Safari and which is one of its killer features, you can use it in mobile WebKit browsers for a very long time already, like for more than two years, you can use this API uh, in your on your iPad and cool. um, make inter interesting demos with it, for example. Cool. And um, so you showed this uh, collaborative production, your music production app that you built for you. Was it the thesis and the talk or, or was it just for one of those? Um, yeah, so uh, at JSConf I showed the, the music production editor, which was my thesis. Um, okay, so it was both basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so can you explain a little bit what that... Um, what that app is, what you can do with it. Yeah, sure. So um, for people that have never done anything in uh, in audio, um, it's kind of like an editor to um, create songs. So if you have a Mac, um, it's, there's a high chance that you have a program called um, GarageBand on your computer. And it's um, a tool that lets you create songs in with different tracks with different instruments and you can arrange stuff you can create uh, drums you can create um, synthesizer song like um, arrangements and everything add filters and I basically did that in a browser so what this editor is it's I, I tend to say full-fledged but it's like a really really bad lie um, <laughs> editor to allow you to create songs in the browser and to export them. For example, you can record your guitar and then add a drum beat in the background and um, add some effects. And you can also, I, I built my own synthesizer and you can play melodies in the synthesizer and yeah, it allows you to create songs collaboratively with an uh, unlimited amount of friends that or band members can work together on it in real time cool how, how long did it take for you to to make it how much time did you um, put in I, I didn't measure but uh judging from the fact that i had six months of time for my thesis i guess it took me like eight months to make <laughs> because uh i worked a bit before my thesis started on it, before my thesis started, and a bit afterwards, and uh, yeah, I guess eight months. But that, wow. like, if you write your thesis, you obviously have to write a thesis as well. Sure. So, half of the time I was just writing uh, 
shitty thesis. <laughs> yeah, it okay. was kind of uh, a bummer. Okay. Um, well, you got you got to do what you got to do, right, to get that degree. Yeah. yeah. Um, sure. Can you can, <laughs> can you just uh, unpack a little bit? What 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 kind of technologies did you use to build it? Like what what does it consist of? Like uh, like the, the framework, the framework you use for the front end, the JavaScript framework. Uh, what what do you did you have to do on the server side, and yeah. uh, how did you implement the whole video conference thing and stuff like that? <laughs> uh, that's the the video conference is my favorite part about it because. Uh, I didn't build it. Uh, it's a plugin that I used uh, from a company called Talkbox. Okay. Um, it's a WebRTC plugin. Mm -hmm. I, I started with my own WebRTC implementation, and then I found out how kind of how how much you need to know about WebRTC to make it work. And I was kind of like I had to hand in my thesis, so I in the last minute I switched back to a plugin. What, so, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? That you have to know a lot of stuff. I don't really know a lot oh, about so, that API. So yeah, so so WebRTC uh, is a set of it is a standard and it involves many many protocols. Uh, like how do you? Oh God, it's it's very complicated for me now because I didn't build it in the end. Mm -hmm. um, so it it explains uh, it has like many steps that you have to make like how do I find other people there's a protocol for that because it's a peer-to-peer -peer protocol mm -hmm. but you have to have like a signaling server so you and your friends who go to the same website um, you send a request to the server and the server tells um, the other where your IP and everything and there's protocols involved for that you have to make that on the server side um, okay. So that you find, so that you can directly connect um, to the others, and then you have a protocol for um, dealing with codecs. So not every browser supports the same codecs, and wow. there's a protocol for that. And um, yeah, in the end, I did not program that myself. It sounds like it sounds like yeah. a big headache. <laughs> yeah, true, true. To, to a big extent, yeah. And I think when I started, there was, it wasn't really possible to um, to have a peer-to-peer -peer session um, from Chrome to Firefox and back. So that was also an issue, um, although it's a standard, but uh, we all know how standards work, mm. like never. Yeah. So uh, it always takes some time. And of course, now it works, and it might be super easy to program it now, for example, and yet has uh, done a lot of documentation on it and a lot of tutorials and uh, mm -hmm. I think it could be done very easily but yeah so the uh, the video conference part is, is is a plugin for now sadly okay um, but I will get get back to that at some point definitely okay super interesting all right uh, so yeah um the backend is a very simple node.js application uh, it uses Express for like the three routes it has and for the authentication. Um, of course, it has a CouchDB backend um, where I store all the data about all the, um, all the arrangements. So an arrangement is one of your songs, for example, that you share with a friend. Mm -hmm. um, the files are stored on S3, um, which I didn't know before that you can 
actually upload to S3 directly from the front end, which is super, super cool. Because oh, wow. that, yeah, you, you don't have to pass it on to the server, which then go, gives it to S3. It's really nice. And cool. <clears throat> um, the real-time communication, of course, is uh, WebSockets. Um, on right. top of a very complicated uh, algorithm for synchronization. Uh, should we get into that as well? Sure, sure. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I, you, when you were giving your talk, you said you implemented the specific uh, sync alg um, algorithm. Um, maybe you can just talk about um, what are the, like, maybe a few differences between the different ones and why you ended up choosing that one. Yeah, um, I went for an algorithm called differential synchronization, which is which was developed in I think two thousand and nine from a Google developer, um, and it's actually a quite simple algorithm once you understand it. Like it all makes sense. It's a very precise algorithm, and there's an, a really really interesting. Um, Google Tech Talk about it from the guy who invented it. Um, cool. And uh, it's an algorithm that basically, uh, if you change some, something in your browser, um, that change gets detected and a diff is sent to the server and then the server will send an okay or not. And if in the meantime, somebody else was has sent a diff to the server, um, the server is able to instead of just sending you an okay, is uh, able to send you a diff of the thing, things that have changed uh, since the last time you synchronized. So it's basically oh. sending diffs all over again. And okay. that's like the, the bigger picture. Um, it's, okay. it's super fast, actually, because the diffs are very small. Mm -hmm. So a diff can be one keystroke, Okay. Uh, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And uh, it's it's very easy compared to all the other algorithms out there. So Google Docs, for example, uses um, operational transformation, which is the go-to synchronization algorithm for everything out there. And it's been around for 30 years and so much research on the topic. But that's exactly the problem. There's so much research on it, so it was very hard for me to understand how to build a system from scratch that is reliable because most of the time it's not and there's heavy algorithms involved in, um, uh, in making it really work. And so on a high level, this algorithm sends. So I go to Google Docs, you go to Google Docs, and I... Uh, delete a character and then a command is sent to the server and to you that I deleted in line three, character four, I deleted two characters. Mm -hmm. And then you send the same signals, but there's if there's delays and uh, everything involved, uh, it's very hard to find out uh, which actions are actually uh, supposed to work in which order and everything. It's, it's very complicated. Uh, but there's mm -hmm. already an implementation in JavaScript, actually, that I could have used, but because I was doing research in university, I couldn't use. Ah, so, okay. Yes, that's so, basically... So you, yeah. so you would have used it if you could? I guess so, oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, I 
I looked at it and tried to understand it, but I stopped reading it after two days um, because it's very big uh, and a lot of code. And the guy who made it, he he worked on the Google Wave project before and he knows all the pain about synchronization. So there's a lot of lessons learned in it and so many things that I don't understand why they have to be like this because mm -hmm. it's not too well documented. Mm -hmm. uh, it's hard to understand. But yeah, so now I implemented my own synchronization algorithm. I can put that on my list of things that I've done in my life. Yeah, cool. So that's, that feels good. <laughs> yeah. Is it is it open source or...? Um, that's an issue for now, not yet. Um, okay. In the beginning, I couldn't open source it because um, my university still needed to review my thesis and the code and it took mm -hmm. a lot of time. But I have the okay now. So maybe in the near future it will be. I I'm really eager to open source. Okay, cool. So was it difficult to implement it? Um, super difficult because um, if you uh, div um, a JSON object mm -hmm. and it's um, a JSON object that has not only strings and uh, integers but also Uh, other JSON objects that have other JSON objects, you get it. You, you kind of have a problem with um, references because your diff will contain references if you don't copy. Um, so if you apply the diff in a weird way, in the end, you might have interesting effects or like changes might not be recognized because uh, something's pointing to the wrong reference and... Um, They're, they're like little, like, references can really kill you sometimes. And so mm -hmm. uh, you have to find out the hard way that you have to copy everything, like mm, do hard sounds... copies of um, JSON yeah. objects. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of uh, this immutable data thing from the... Um, there's this guy who did this framework, I think it's called Ohm. Uh, in combination with React and it's about functional programming and how you always only copy data. You never change it, you copy it and then only change the copy and then you can you can you can see really fast if data has changed because you can check if it's a different reference. If it's a different reference than before, then it's a changed data set. Oh uh, yeah. I think I've heard about it. And um, I, I've seen demos, I know, but it's also related to like mm -hmm. uh, like the how do you call it the the JavaScript Lisp thingy, closure script. Uh, exactly. That's that's right, what right. that, that Ohm thing is also a closure script with uh, yeah. React. That's what it is. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It sounds super super cool, and um, I guess uh, it's um, very well done, and maybe it's a thing that I could add in the future because. If I remember correctly, they also have like undo right built in. Exactly. Because of yeah. this, this uh, yeah. immutable data thing, you, you have like a history um, through those uh, references, basically. You can just jump through the history. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, that sounds really, really cool. Yeah. And uh, if I would have known about it, I might have used it definitely. Mm-hmm. Cool. It's interesting um, that you had that problem and that you had to get to the, to that place actually, and that that yeah. would have been like a good use case for this immutable data thing. Oh, interesting. 
and it's not the the, the most fun bug uh, to to hunt reference mm -hmm. bugs yeah so i think it can give you a big headache sometimes mm -hmm. um yeah i true um when i started to work on the editor i did everything in backbone because that's uh, like my my background I, i i did a lot of backbone or i still do a lot of backbone development um, and Backbone doesn't really work so well for nested data structures and you want like nested data, data structures are okay, but um, if you want to apply a diff to a nested collection model with collection with model with collection kind of structure in Backbone, that is kind of impossible with the right events at the same time, at the right time and everything. So I went back and like I thought about it and uh, I I read a lot about Angular and I took Angular because it's just perfect for this approach because I have a really big nested data structure for an arrangement and uh, if I diffs, if I apply a patch to it then um, and if I do the reference handling right um, the change management uh, is like right built in to the user interface and I don't even need to write event uh, code that is based on things like, oh, this has been moved here or I set the volume to this because the changed stuff is already built in in the in Angular. So it was my first Angular project and it was the perfect fit. It was really, really good. Huh. I, I don't think I understand it properly oh, okay yet. so so I, I have a big uh, json data structure mm -hmm. and i have many um di directives that listen to specific parts of this data structure mm -hmm. and um the synchronization algorithm is just uh um changes stuff in place in the data structure ah. so um okay mm -hmm. Angular is capable of detecting that on its own, and so I don't have to think about how to uh, apply my changes because okay, it's already so built the in. the bindings. Yeah, the bindings. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's this, this, uh, the dirty checking in uh, in Angular and the exactly. binding between the the model that you have and the UI. Then just that just worked basically. Yeah. Cool. And it took me a day to rewrite everything. There was like, mm -hmm. holy shit, what, what's going on? Like, the <laughs> yeah. people that told me Angular is cool are kind of right, right for this project. Right, right. So you say for this project, does that mean that you uh, that you you like it for this project, but not maybe for for other things? Are you like totally sold on Angular now, or would you consider <laughs> other things? Um. I like both worlds, so the Angular world and the Backbone world, because um, you can apply it to different um, fields. And so the work that I do normally in my freelance job is that I'm being asked for Backbone development. Mm -hmm. So in my job, I uh, I can't really apply Angular um, for now, but um, in my side projects, I definitely use it as well. So uh, the jobs you work on, um, where the people want you to work on, backbone code do you is it is it appropriate in those jobs mostly to use backbone or would you would you rather use angular how how is like what's the ratio there 
Um, that's uh, very hard to say because it heavily depends on the project. So if you arrive in a project that has a super complicated user interface with already, I don't know, 100 view files and 20 different models, um, um, it's kind of hard to change it to or like say if it would have worked better with Angular. Mm -hmm. um, because I also I've never worked on like a super big project with Angular. Right. Um, but normally I don't arrive in projects where like the code is burning and nobody knows what's going on. And so the people made this, uh, made decisions wisely. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Ah, that's good to know. Ah, cool. Okay, so you used uh, Angular in the front end. Um, is there is there are we missing anything? The node was Express was in the back end. You did the sync, yeah. Uh, yeah. sync algorithm. So the sync algorithm had to be implemented uh, in the front end and on the server. Then exactly, um, the the implementations look uh, very similar actually, but they have slight little details that are different. Uh, so I in the beginning I wanted to reuse my synchronization code on on server and. Uh, and a front end, you know, like living the dream of sharing code and everything. And that gave me a lot of headache. And then, then I went back. So, yeah, I had to do two implementations of the uh, algorithm in the front end and the back end. Oh, okay. And that was cool. That was uh, totally doable. Yeah, you said it was fairly simple. So, yeah, so and, and once, what, what, once you get your head around it, of course. Yeah, right. And you did it once already. You can do it a second time. Yeah, sure. Okay, so so are those the the main components? Is there anything missing? Um, I I used a top code CSS, which ah. is um, a user interface CSS library, not like as big as Bootstrap, and it doesn't have uh, a grid system built in, but it has nice and fast uh, user interface components for good buttons and. Sliders look cool, and uh, it's developed by Adobe, and I can highly recommend it. Like, and it was perfect because the color scheme that they have, like mm -hmm. they have a dark theme and a light theme, and the dark theme was exactly what I was looking for. <laughs> so cool. I was like, awesome! I don't have to do any CSS. That's perfect. <laughs> Which of course is wrong. In the end, you end up with a lot of CSS. Right, right, cool. And if you ha if you if you had to do it again, would you change anything? <laughs> uh, very good question. Um, I guess, um, yes. Yeah, so, so one of the problems I had was I had this time constraint because uh, once you start, you have like, okay, you have 20 weeks to finish this now. Um, you have a lot of pressure from time. So I think... I would take time to do things like step by step. Mm -hmm. So at, at some point I was at the same time working on the synthesizer and the, um, the recording tool. So I would really take the time to just finish the recording module. So it is exactly the way that I want it to be and easy to use or not, not easy to use, but good to use and, um, appropriate to use and, now what I ended up with is like the minimum viable product for every component in the editor. So I would really take time to finish thing A and thing B and then um, 
take more time for the individual moments uh, for the individual uh, individual modules mm-hmm. like, this is definitely the thing that thing that I would change okay <clears throat> and so there was a second app that you were showing which is like um, a little browser application as well where you have buttons and you prepared you programmed those buttons to play certain tr- uh, um, audio files and you could basically DJ with this application so um, how, how did you it's, it seems like it's 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 much more simple because you're just triggering audio files is that true that it's I guess yes Right. Yeah, it's super simple, actually. Right. Um, so the demo was basically uh, you press a button and audio file plays. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have like a certain behavior. If I press the button again and the audio file is still playing, I stop the audio file. And then um, because this creates a nice effect, if you repeatedly uh, create uh, start an audio, uh, press the button, you can kind of get the impression of like looping or like looping certain parts of, of an audio file. And it's something that you have in, in producing, like in music producing, you have um, so-called MPCs that you can, you have like a, a grid of buttons and then you can, um, if you press a button, a sample will play. And the combination of how, which uh, samples you use and uh, when you press the buttons and um, how often you repeat it, um, the combination then makes uh, a song or like a, a beat and depending on, on your samples it's, a, it's an entire song and that's what I did so um, it just sends like you press a button it plays a file the hard part is of course like selecting um, samples that work well together mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah and so I kind of cheated there to be honest. What do you um, mean? Um, so it was not my song. Like I, I did not come up with a song because it's uh, it's actually a mashup from, uh, made from a song from Jay-Z and Linkin Park. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jay-Z did the mashup and I just recreated right. it in my <laughs> own way. So I was using his samples uh, because it's actually very hard to get really good samples if you're not a music producer. And um, so I just took his files and rearranged it in my way. And because I like the Deftones so much, the band, the Deftones, uh, I uh, I looped a GIF of the Deftones while the Linkin Park was playing, just to give like a slight little hint. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, were there any... So basically, yeah, you already said it. The, the, the biggest challenge was to find the right tracks. So and those tracks also were... Uh, hosted on S3? Uh, no, th- um, the demo is just runs on its own. It's uh, it's hosted on GitHub Pages, and so I just uploaded it, uploaded the files there and um, worked from there. Like super easy. Uh, but GitHub do, Pages do you have like a, a lag issue sometimes if the file doesn't load quickly? D- does it get buffered uh, on the browser side or something yes, like that? Okay. Exactly. So the way it works is. Um, the web audio API gives you something that's like a buffer and this buffer only needs to load the file once. And it has like, uh, you use, you actually use the XML HTTP request for that. So you load the files and then you decode them 
And then you get a buffer that you can reuse all the time. And it's super fast, like really fast. So. Okay, and how many files can you load? Um, as much as you have memory or like depending on, no, not as much as you have memory, but half of the memory that you have available for the current tab. So ah. because of the internal JavaScript uh, memory management. Hmm. Um, but to be honest, I never tried out how many, f I never had a problem with it. Mm -hmm. um, and I have, sometimes I have like 30 files in an arrangement and that always works. And they all get buffered right away when you load the page? Exactly. Huh. So that that also is it depends on how you implement it. Mm -hmm. um, the Web Audio API only gives you the, the tools to create your own way how to do it. Um, and the buffers, you have to manage the buffers yourself. So you have to save them somewhere, have like a um, a, a buffer cache so that you don't reload stuff mm -hmm. and so that you always reuse the buffer that you already have, for example. And, um, yeah. Cool. But the lag, basically, it depends on how you develop it. So, for example, you have five files. You can load them in parallel and it's very fast. And that is the only lag, the, the lag from the network. Mm -hmm. So your application needs to show the user, yes, it's loading and you can't press the buttons now. Okay. Because you're not done yet. Okay. So you only so, press the buttons when it's actually loaded and they're only active yeah. when you, when they're loaded. Mm -hmm. Well, in this demo, not, but normally, yes. That's how we Just should do it. Yeah. So I programmed the demo actually two days before the conference. Ah. I don't know why, but I end up doing this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not the best. Hey, but it but, worked out fine, right? I mean, yeah, I know yeah. that uh, the people who saw it, they were really like, oh, best talk ever, blah, blah. Oh, God. And blah. It's cool. No, <laughs> you really left an impression there. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, so those apps... Um, I think you said that that app is already on, on GitHub, right? So people can check out the yes. code and everything yeah. Yeah. I would gonna... recommend not checking out the code though because <laughs> it's a two day project and I finished early in the morning before the uh, presentation and everything. but yeah of course check it out yeah I mean it's you know people can learn something I mean yeah maybe clean up the code for you and send a pull request how's that that would be actually very cool <laughs> that would be super cool yeah Cool. So I'm definitely going to link it up in the show notes. <laughs> yes. uh, um, um, okay. Yeah. So would you recommend using the audio API in, in a production application? Um, yes, definitely. But uh, what does production environment mean? It depends. So you can't use it with the Internet Explorer. So if your production environment does not include Internet Explorer, you're fine. <laughs> you can use it and create really cool things with it. And there are some startups doing it already. And uh, I would recommend doing that because if you do more stuff with it, then there's more pressure on the people that haven't implemented it yet. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I, I would recommend it. And there are some fallback like... Um, fallbacks that you can use 
that like go back to Flash if the Web Audio API does not exist. Uh, I haven't tried it out, but I guess it works. Mm -hmm. But and yeah, really do use it, and it's really fun. Uh, yeah, but you said that they that they are ch still changing things in the API sometimes, right? So you have to yeah. keep up yeah. to date with it. That's true. So. Not too long ago, there were some breaking changes um, in in the Chrome implementation. Uh, so many of the demos that you might find now and that haven't been touched might not simply not work mm -hmm. because um, really essential, um, uh, real essential uh, names of um, functions have been changed. So, for example, if you if you want to control the, the volume of something, you have a gain node and the method to create the a gain node has changed. So basically all programs that do something with audio and you can change the volume, which is like all, all of the of demos <laughs> kind of broke. Um, mm. But it was, so it's not like they change stuff and from A to B, just like from day one to day two, it doesn't work. They always announce it and they give you a time but you have to change things, yes, definitely. And it's, I think, it's it, it's still a draft in in uh, the specification, but I'm not entirely sure. But it's, as I said, there are startups using it, and if you follow the changes, it's super easy. It's not that they change like the concept, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So slight API changes that can Definitely, be yeah. breaking, basically. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so, so do you are you gonna are you gonna work some more on those applications? Are you gonna flesh them out and make them super perfect or something like that? Uh, are there any plans, or um, are you gonna write more audio um, API applications or something like that? Um, I'm still very curious about audio development, so I, I think I will do more with the Web Audio API, definitely. Uh, just today, um, I was talking to some people on Twitter, and there's an idea of creating like a karaoke system in your browser with the Web Audio API. Like, you have really interesting WebGL uh, visualizations, super cheesy, and you have the web audio API that plays the song and detects the pitch of your voice so it gives you points if it works and that 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 is something that I would really like to work on um, but it's more like a joke uh, but one one big thing I really want to do is to rewrite the editor entirely and to make it available and um, I, I really 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 want to do this um, and I'm currently thinking about how to do it because I have a day job and mm -hmm. uh, the time is, again, the limiting factor. So I'm thinking about um, doing an Indiegogo campaign because uh, many people approached me and wanted to uh, get the source code or try the editor out and everything. And I told them I don't really have the time to uh, prepare, prepare it for the public and... Mm -hmm. uh, so Indiegogo could be a way to get some money in so that I can uh, work less in, in my day job and spend some, like, 
really good work on it and open sourced it really, really quickly. Cool. Yeah, that sounds great. You should definitely do that. That's uh, that's on the bucket list. Yes. <laughs> cool. All right. Is there anything? Is there anything I should have asked about the audio API that we didn't talk about yet? Um. Well, I don't know. <laughs> um, okay. I I think like we we covered a lot about it. Yeah. Um, the main part, like the main parts. So what, one thing maybe to mention is. It's like a Node-based, uh, not Node.js, but Node-based API, like a Node graph. Mm -hmm. So you you have um, if you have a file that like if you have an audio file that you want to play, it's it's a node in a graph, and you have to connect this node to your speakers, for example, which is also a node in the graph. So and you can put in as many uh, nodes in between to like filter things. So like that that's the basic setup of the Web Audio API, which I didn't mention before. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, it, are you talking about nodes with a D or notes with a T? With a D. <laughs> okay. Yes, like Node.js. Okay, okay. <laughs> but not Node.js. <laughs> okay. Nodes in a graph. Exactly. What does that mean? What is a node in a graph? Mm, this is fun because, funny now, because uh, when I had my... Uh, uh, presentation in university about my uh, about my thesis. That was the question that I was being asked, and they were checking if I know stuff about uh, node graphs and how graphing, uh, how graph algorithms work. Mm -hmm. There was uh, now I feel like I'm I'm back in the situation <laughs> where my professor is asking me things. And oh, I'm just asking because I have no idea what you're talking about. Ah, okay, <laughs> so it's, <laughs> then it's easy. Yeah. <laughs> No, so a node is just like an object that you have, and you, you can create a virtual connection to another object. So it's pointing, like, cr like imagine you have two circles and you create create uh, a line between them, like mm -hmm. an arrow between them. So one is pointing to the other. So for example, node A is your um, sound file, and node B is um, the speakers, mm -hmm. and then you connect node A to node B and Everything that is, uh, all the sound that is generated in your sound file is then transferred um, uh, via this arrow to your speakers. Hmm. Okay. So, and everything that you can put in between, for example, like a gain node to change the volume. So you would have a connection from your sound file to a gain node and then to your speakers. So the gain node sits in between to filter out, like to, to change the volume of the incoming um, signal and then outputs another signal. Oh, it's like streams. Exactly. Streams is uh, just like that. Yes. Yeah, cool. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, I think I have all, all my questions uh, are asked and we can move on to the picks. So, Yay. <laughs> so what are your picks? Um, I have one pick is um, the current and um, the current Humble Bundle um, because like Humble Bundle is, is, a, is a website where you can get um, uh, you can buy games um, from independent developers and you can it's a pay what you want principle and um, you can pay for example just one dollar for 10 games 
-hmm. and you can also select uh, if if the money should go to the developers or like to social projects and um, the current humble bundle is related because um, all the games that you can buy there uh, have been trans compiled like have been compiled to work in the browser so you have uh, awesome games that via asmjs like a subset of javascript that can be highly optimized they work in the browser and you can try them out immediately it's super cute and really really amazing what you can do with web development in and gaming right now cool and you should all buy them they are all very fun <laughs> you should all buy them all yeah. i'm not a developer i have to say <laughs> of, well you well, are a developer of, but no, you're not a humble bundle of, developer no 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 yeah yeah no cool yeah, yeah. I, I think i bought some humble uh, humble bundle games at some point but i never played them <laughs> that's the problem with humble bundle. you end up with 200 games and then yeah you're too busy buying new games so you can't play games <laughs> Yeah, well, I just gave up on games, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm get, definitely going to check it out. Do Sounds you have another weird. one? Uh, yeah, um, I, I I found an article today on Twitter, which is actually a bit a bit more old. I think it's like several months already. Um, and it's, it's a website. Uh, it's called Solved by Flexbox that um, shows you like the... The, the 10 most uh, weird things that you have to do in uh, CSS right now to create um, uh, user interfaces. Um, for example, uh, centering stuff vertically is always very fun to do. And mm -hmm. they provide you with the two-line solution that um, like, if you, could use, if you can use Flexbox, you can solve it in two lines of CSS, the entire problem. And um, it's the web website that I will now use in all my projects to tell all my project managers that we really have to use Flexbox and to ditch some older browsers mm -hmm. because otherwise we end up writing all these this 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 hacky JavaScript code, uh, CSS, and maybe JavaScript code to program like really simple user interfaces that shouldn't be hard to program. Right. Uh... Does Flexbox then work in the new IEs and stuff like ten and eleven, or I think it works in IE eleven and maybe also in ten, hmm. but because Flexbox is a bit weird and there have been there many two iterations, yeah, yeah. So I guess in ten you still have um, another syntax, okay, but eleven I guess is supported. Okay, cool. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm gonna check mobile. that out because I am not up to date on Flexbox. I have. Oh yeah, me neither, actually. I but uh, I, I want to try it out more. Yeah, cool. Uh, okay, is that you have two picks or do you have more picks? Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's the the two picks that I found today. Really interesting. Okay, cool. So I'm going to go on to my uh, picks, to my regular picks. Uh, one is a site called unsplash.com. <clears throat> on that site, you find really beautiful images um, that you can use for anything. 
there's absolutely no license on it's, it's like a creative commons zero license or something like that so you can use them for anything and those pictures are really beautiful and you <clears throat> and they're uh, high resolution and there's um 10 more pictures every 10 days so this is wow. a really cool resource if you need like beautiful images for for anything and it there's actually a really cool background a background story to that because unsplash is actually a side project from a startup i think they're a startup they're called crew uh, the the website is pickcrew.com and and they what they do is that they kind of uh, they have like a network of really good designers, uh, web designers, and I think also maybe developers. And they and 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 basically what they want is that you come to the site and you you have a project that you want solved and you want it with like high quality design and code and stuff. And they kind of match you up with the right person, and then they get a fee for that or something like that. And that that whole business idea didn't go really well. Like they they didn't do well. And then um, what they did they they started. They had to make. They needed high quality pictures for their website, and then they um, they had a photo photographer take some pictures in a cafe, and they had those beautiful pictures. And they decided to make the site unsplash and just put those pictures up for everybody to use, and continued uh, putting up other pictures. And then that helped them um, get uh, more business and kind of. I think it saved their startup to have this this little page with those pictures on there uh, because it drove a lot of people back to this crew uh, site so that's a that's a really cool story there's an article about that mm. and i really i was just really impressed that they just give those pictures away it's really cool and uh so my and my second pick <clears throat> is uh adi osmani's talk from the css conf which was really cool. It's um it's on YouTube right now. He's basically analyzing the JSConf EU website and improving it, uh, <laughs> improving performance because the performance was really really bad in the beginning because there was like a five megabyte GIF on there and all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, yeah, so that was that's pretty. It's really entertaining and it's also, you, you can learn a lot because he's basically showing off all the tools and all the different ways how you can improve performance um, uh, quickly. Yeah, so that's really cool. And of course, I'm going to pick um, the video of your talk uh, from JSCon <laughs> for you <laughs> because uh, it was a great talk and uh, people should watch it. Um, Thanks. Right. Uh, what is your music pick? Oh yeah, uh, that was. I, I. It took a long time, a long time to think about that. Um, <laughs> how how long? Uh, you don't want to know how much <laughs> work time I spend on picking uh, just this one tiny uh, music pick. Um, <laughs> wow, cool. Yeah, right. um, I I took a DJ from uh, uh, from France, from Lyon. Uh, his name is Fass. P H A double Z, and uh, the track is called Lionheart, and it's like a kind of trap slash chill, but also heavy bass. A really really cool mix that gets me going in the morning. Like 
have to put on this song and then I'm ready to do everything. Cool. So, sounds sounds really good. And and why why did you pick that one in the end? Um that was like a I, I, I programmed a random number generator in JavaScript because I had 10 picks. <laughs> so uh, that is... Uh, wow, a lot of effort went into that, yes. one, that pick. That's amazing. Tr trust me, the effort was to create the, the list of 10 songs <laughs> and then I couldn't decide. So yeah, you have to, <laughs> awesome. have to do that. Yeah. Cool. <clears throat> yeah, so my music pick is... Um, it's a track called drift by a producer from holland um who is pronounced boo boo but it's written b-o-e-b-o-e -E -E. and that track is just absolutely amazing and i think it's quite it sounds from what you were describing your pick it's quite similar because it's also a uh, trap it's also kind of a, a slow i think it's it's kind of trappy or something like that i'm not sure if it's exactly trap but um and it's very bass heavy but it's really really uh cool to listen to and um it's it's on soundcloud i don't know if it can if 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 it's uh if you can buy it uh, i'll check it out but uh, you can listen to it on soundcloud it's really cool i'm going to link i'm going to link it up and also play it in the end of uh after the outro of course as always okay so we are at the end of the show and i would like to um know or i would like you to tell the listeners how they can find you on the web oh um that's very easy i am the deftone uh on twitter uh like the band the deftones but without the s yes that led to conclusion of confusion okay um, and uh, apart from that, I'm Jan Monschke um, on GitHub, and janmonschke.com is my website, slash blog, slash whatever list of talks that I do. Cool. Um, I am Distilled Hype on Twitter, and this show is Descriptive Pod on Twitter. Um, and the show notes are going, are going to be up on descriptive.audio slash episodes slash three and that's it for today thank you very much for coming uh for coming onto the show yeah thanks for inviting me i had a great time okay here we go with the music picks um jan's pick was lionheart by faz and my pick is drift by boo boo enjoy
Like my Dutch, then start to drift. Like my Dutch then start to drift Like my Dutch and start to drift.